0: This is the Education Exchange. I am Paul Peterson, Senior Editor at Education EducationX. Thank you for joining us. Don't take away my summer, my grandkids are telling me. We want to go swimming. We want to play baseball. We want to go to summer camp all by ourselves. Yet, some old fogies that run schools seem prepared to take away summer for all. South Carolina has already changed the school year. And the state of Washington is on the cusp of doing so. COVID has brought back the old bugaboo that summer vacation is bad. Disadvantaged kids fall further behind, they say. After the pandemic, we've got to force kids back to school because we can't afford any more school losses. So, kids, put on your school uniforms, march back into that classroom. But wait, Paul von Hippel and Jennifer Graves. In the latest issue of Education Next, say, that's rot. That's a snotty urban myth. So I'm very pleased to have Paul von Hippel, a professor at the University of Texas in Austin, with me on the Education Exchange. Uh, Paul, thank you for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, Paul, um, is this a new idea or is this an old idea? And what is this about summer school? And can you just explain the 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 story that's going on, what are they doing out there in, in, in South Carolina?
1: Well, there are several reforms on the table, none of which is new. Uh, the best known one is summer school, and there's some evidence that summer school programs can be very effective if kids attend them. Uh, perennial challenge with summer school programs is poor attendance, especially among the kids who probably would benefit the most. Um, another reform is the extended year, school calendar, where you take the usual 180-day school calendar and replace it with a calendar that runs 200 to 210 days. That's very popular reform in the charter sector. Uh, A lot of charter chains, uh, such as the KIPP schools, use longer school years. Um, But it's very unusual in traditional public schools. Less than one in a thousand traditional public schools uses it. What's happening right now in South Carolina and Washington is, is quite different. It's what's called a, a year or balanced school calendar. And that doesn't add any instructional time to the school year at all. Instead, it takes the usual uh, 180 days and redistributes them, shortening the summer vacation and adding little vacations to spring, fall, and winter. So the basic idea is you
0: keep the same number of days as is traditional, around 180 varies from one state to another but then you, instead of concentrating vacation time uh, between June and the end of August, you have a little bit of vacation time here and there throughout the entire school year. So what's
1: the rationale for that? Well, there are a couple of rationales. Um, The original rationale for this had nothing to do with uh, with learning in particular, but instead was a, a play to save money. So in, 1968 to 1971, when the later the tail end of the baby boom was starting to reach school age, uh, there were a lot of suburban districts that had built many schools over the uh, previous 20 years and were getting a little tired of it. And they thought, is there any way we can squeeze more capacity out of our existing schools? And uh, one way to do that was to put kids on a staggered year-round calendar. So for example, you might, instead of having nine months on and three months off. You would instead have nine weeks on and three weeks off where different groups of kids would be off at different times. And in that way, you can accommodate a third more kids in the same school building. So that was the original rationale for what was called a multi-track year-round calendar. Uh, so is at, that what
0: they're they're doing in South Carolina? Because South Carolina is a growing state, they must be giving must be facing enrollment issues there. More kids are coming. Is that the reason they're doing it in South Carolina, or are they
1: they have another reason? The reforms in South Carolina and Washington are different. There, the rationale is that kids are going to learn more if the calendar is respaced, and that seems to come from concerns about summer learning loss. You know, there's a popular uh, idea that uh, kids lose months of skills over the summer and that disadvantaged kids lose the most. Um, And so the idea is if you shorten summer break, you're going to have less summer learning loss and kids will retain more knowledge and over time scores will go up. And that's viewed as a way to address pandemic learning loss. There's a second talking point that having more frequent small short breaks can address uh, burnout among both teachers and students. Um, which is a common problem after the pandemic.
0: So, are the teachers behind this? Is the union calling for a more balanced school calendars so that uh, teachers can have a little break
1: now and again? You know, it's funny. Even though this idea of teacher, uh, of of restoring teachers from burnout, is a common point made by advocates, I've never heard any teachers say that they expect this to happen. Um, superintendents make this point. Advocates for year-round calendars, claim that it will be good for teachers, but teachers' unions are not calling for it. And in fact, historically, teachers' unions have been hostile to year-round calendars. In Chicago, for example, one condition of ending the 2012 teacher strike was that the teachers' union wanted the district to stop putting schools on year-round calendars, which was something the district was experimenting with beforehand. So if the teachers aren't for it, if the unions are not for
0: it, Maybe the parents are demanding it. Maybe they want the kids off, uh, you know, not around during the summer. It's a hassle having kids under your feet all all summer long. Is that is it the parents who are demanding this?
1: No, there, there's really no evidence that parents like year-round calendars. If you look at some of the older research, they would do satisfaction surveys in year-round calendars and ask people to rate the calendars. Ask parents, for example, to rate the calendars on a scale from one to five, and the average rating was about three point six which is just above the middle of the scale, but it's an uninterpretable number because there was no comparison group of parents asked about uh, nine-month calendars. More recently, we have research on how parents actually respond when a school uh, switches to year-round calendars. And we found that um, this is research by Jennifer Graves and Katie Rouse and others. I, I, when I say we, uh, I, I should give credit to the people who've actually done the research, the findings are that uh property values decline slightly when a school switches to year-round calendars and that suggests that homeowners are willing to pay not going to move
0: into that school district because they don't have the regular calendar there is that right people are deciding
1: or even within the same district uh if some schools switch to a year-round calendars and others are traditional the property values near the year-round calendars tend to decline another thing that jennifer graves has found in california is that in districts that make heavy use of the year-round calendars mothers are less likely to return to the workforce when their children reach school age. So there's, um, and there's also journalistic accounts where parents will say, these calendars really complicate our lives. Uh, The multi-track calendar is the most obvious complication because if you've got different kids on different tracks, now you have two different schedules to keep track of. You've got one kid home while another kid needs to get to school. That obviously complicates family life, but also in a district like Chicago, where for a while, uh some schools were on a traditional nine-month calendar and others were on a year-round calendar uh, that caused a lot of juggling for parents as well and i think that explains some of the hostility of unions when you think about it because a lot of teachers are parents as well in fact one of the great things about being a teacher is that you can be home when you when your kids are home and you're if if some schools in your district are in a year-round calendar say your school your, your own children are attending that school and you're teaching in a different school that uses a different year-round calendar. Maybe uses a traditional calendar. Now you've got all kinds of childcare uh, issues to solve. And uh, teachers, as parents, aren't crazy about it.
0: So if teachers don't like it, parents don't like it. I know kids don't like it. I'm not even going to ask about kids, but nobody cares about kids. Uh, so so then where is this this movement? It, it, but maybe this isn't that big a movement. Maybe this you've mentioned uh, Washington State and South Carolina, but maybe this is sort of a dead idea that's floating around out there. Is there
1: more support for it than just in these two states? We describe it, I mean, it's not a dead idea because it's been revived after the pandemic. We describe it, um, Jennifer and I describe it in our article as a zombie idea. This is um, a reform that was tried first 50 years ago, and there's been decent research showing that it's not effective for about 10, 15 years now. Um, and it's being trotted out with the same talking points by, uh, as far as I can tell, a single advocacy group, which is the National Association for Year-Round Education. But is this a powerful group? It was at one time. So um, it started in the early 1970s, or the predecessor group started in the early 1970s with the first surge of interest in year-round schools. It got really big, in or, or sizable, I should say, maybe not really big by some measures. It had over half a million dollars in annual revenue in the late 1990s which is more or less when year-round schools reached their peak but since about 2006 it's had less than two thousand dollars in annual revenues, hasn't uh, filed taxes with the irs and it really boils down to a, a part-time job for one person it's david hornack who's a superintendent of the public schools in um Holt, michigan that have an enrollment of less than five thousand so you You see this group uh, cited as an authority in journalistic accounts. You see it um, uh, helping to write guidelines, for example, in Washington. but it's it's really just one person. It doesn't have a whole lot of heft in our view.
0: So can one person really have that kind of cloud out there? Uh, do we know <laughs> if it's being considered in other states uh, as well or or
1: or is this still under the radar? I've been concerned about this since the end of the pandemic, because I foresaw this was going to happen, that um, pandemic learning loss was being likened to summer learning loss, and uh, uh, year-round calendars are often due to the way to combat summer learning loss. I thought they'd enjoy a resurgence. I suspect there are other states that are looking at this. I'm not aware of what's happening in every legislature, but the fact that the major advocacy group is based in Michigan, and you're seeing interest in South Carolina and Washington, uh, suggest that there are probably other meetings happening in other states. So
0: this could, could be happening, as, or it's a good thing to stomp it out before it begins. But but are you really against a longer school year? Because another way to go, this, this really assumes that the school year doesn't actually lengthen. It's just altered. But what if you had a longer school year? What if kids were actually in the classroom for you know 210 days a year or something like that? Would that be beneficial?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's limited evidence on that. Um, There in the United States, um, some of the most effective charter chains, such as KIPP and other no excuses charter schools, do uh, have longer school years, including sometimes school on Saturday. Um, It's something that's very difficult to do within the traditional public sector. There was a randomized control trial in Massachusetts where they tried extending the school day instead of the school year. That wasn't effective. I think what you really need to do is add days. And if you look overseas, uh, some of the um, countries that outperform the U.S. on international tests, um, such as uh, um, the U.K. and some uh, Asian nations, do have a longer school year than we do. So that's not a reform that I'm opposed to, but it's not the reform that's on the table. Um, and if it was, if it was on the table, it would cost something.
0: Yes, but there's been a lot of money out there since uh, the federal government has decided to give a lot. Of, I don't know how long it's going to last, but for the last couple of years there's been a lot of new money on the table that they don't know how to spend why didn't they just extend the school year instead of going you know thinking oh, about changing yeah. the calendar you could just sort of say well we'll have another couple of weeks of school one more week at the beginning one more week at the end or something like that and uh, try to make up
1: some of the losses that way uh yeah why this haven't districts been... tried that yeah uh, this has been done in some in some districts some districts have invested in summer programs um some districts have invested I'm going to pause here to collect my thoughts
0: but the summer program investment has always been you can go to summer school if you want to and you can teach in the summer school if you want to and so if the teacher wants to earn a little extra money and if the students want to uh, or their parents want them to uh, recover a little more quickly from the losses they've suffered then on the voluntary basis this this can be done but it, 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 not many kids are jumping to do this am i correct in saying that
1: yeah that, that's right so so summer schools can be uh effective they're also uh typically voluntary and participation is typically limited that's um in, in our in our interpretation of the summer learning literature uh and and districts investment in it is often uh short lives. So our interpretation of the summer learning literature is that it generally shows that summer programs can be effective, but almost all the literature is about programs that aren't running anymore or programs that would have been more effective if only more kids had come. There are some exceptions. New York City ran um, a compulsory summer school uh, in the mid-2000s. The rule there was that if you were reading below grade level or you had math scores below grade level, you had to attend summer school. Uh, and that seems like a very sensible way to target uh, the intervention control costs and, and make sure that the kids who need more instruction are getting it. That's uh, something that I see in some districts happening now, but it doesn't seem to be as popular as the year-round reform.
0: Yeah, I can imagine uh, that sort of punishing kids, and and they so they go resentfully to school. So I,
1: I, I'm not sure that that's
0: necessarily the way you want to
1: do it the, the word summer school has a bit of a, a negative connotation for the reasons that you state and you ought more often hear people talking about summer learning programs where some academic material is combined with activities like going to the pool and those seem to get more buy-in but of course they're more expensive
0: well, there is learning loss out there. I think a lot of research is showing that. We we know that kids uh, have not learned as much over the last uh, two three years as they were learning before the pandemic struck. So, how are we going to recover that loss if it isn't going to be through summer school or something like that? Is there an alternative route, or do we just have to say, you know, this is the way it is, or they'll catch up somehow?
1: Well, it's been it's been uh, remarkable for me. I was on uh, a short-lived committee in Texas where uh, experts were asked to make recommendations to the state education agency, and it was amazing how little agreement there was. I think the lack of agreement within the education research community has really been exposed by this crisis. Um, in in my view, there are some things that uh, that would be effective that schools really should be looking at. Uh, One is streamlining curriculum. Uh, There are some schools that are, uh, some schools and districts that are doing this and states looking at their whole mathematics curriculum, for example, and figuring out which skills are really important for kids to progress further and which skills are something that's, for example, only important in eighth grade and doesn't come back in later, later, um, later years. That seems like a very sensible thing to do. And another thing that I think schools um, need to get serious about is uh, adopting practices that are grounded in the science of learning. Um, that can mean making effective use of uh, new technologies, or it can mean retraining teachers in topics like the science of reading so that we are getting skills developed more efficiently than we were doing before. We have, uh, If we have the same amount of time uh, and kids need to learn more, we have to be more efficient, and the science of learning offers ways to do that.
0: Well, of course, if you could uh, improve the quality of instruction in the classroom, the quality of the learning experience, that would be uh, obviously the way to go. But that's a very difficult thing to do because we have discovered that uh, teacher prep programs that have been promoted for years have, have don't seem to have much of an effect on how much kids learn in the classroom. So improving the quality of instruction is not the easiest reform to implement
1: it's not yeah i really feel that the the field is uh, in need of a kind of a revolution we're about where medicine was in 1870 Uh, we have a lot of reforms on the table that are not particularly uh, um, effective and we need to get serious about really grounding the way we train teachers the way we develop technology and what we know about how children learn from cognitive psychology
0: So you're saying we should restructure our educational system. Um, Can we do that through the school district system that we currently have, or do we have to reorganize our educational system if we're going to do that? You're sounding more and more radical uh, with (laughs) everything you say.
1: Yeah, I I am kind of a radical on this point, and I want to emphasize that it's a long-term agenda. I don't think this is necessarily something that's going to undo pandemic learning loss in the next couple of years um that's an area where streamlining curriculum making effective use of technology and offering summer instruction to the kids who need it most as well as tutoring would be the effective short-term reforms to use in the long term we're going to have to think about the efficiency of our education sector and why teachers don't receive more training and how students learn
0: well Paul this has been very informative what have I missed in this discussion uh, do, you, do you think that uh, this is just an idea that's sort of surfaced and is going to go away, or do you think this is something that's going to be, uh, you know, a big part of the discussion moving forward?
1: Well, I mean, there, are, there have been a, uh, major adoptions in at least two states, and I don't think it's going to go away on its own, which is why I think it's important To get the word out that this is not a reform year-round calendars are not a reform that has much support from rigorous research so they're a bit of a distraction it typically takes a state or district several years of experience with year-round calendars uh, to figure out that they're not having the desired effects and i don't think we can afford to waste a few years figuring out what we're going to do about pandemic learning laws
0: so that's one question i haven't asked you and that is I think there are studies out there that shows a balanced calendar does work, but you say when you look at all of the evidence and you look particularly at the best studies, you conclude that it doesn't
1: work. So could you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, Sure. The the literature on this subject is really confusing, and that's true for a lot of topics in education. Uh, There are a couple of meta-analyses that have been done which suggest that uh, test scores are a little bit higher in year-round calendars than in non-year-round calendars. But if you look under the hood uh, of those meta-analyses and the authors who conducted them uh, acknowledge this readily, the quality of research is very poor. It's typically a kind of apples to oranges comparison between a handful of year-round schools, maybe as few as one, and uh, another handful of nine-month schools. If you look at the most rigorous research that's been done since the year 2001, Research in particular that looks at what actually happens when a school switches from a nine month to a year round calendar, uh, what you tend to find is that it has no benefits for student achievement scores do not go up in those schools relative to schools that don't switch calendars. Uh, In fact, in California scores went down slightly in uh, schools that switch to year round calendars and that's something that superintendents uh and directors of state boards of education and school principals should be aware of it's uh and it's a small literature but it's an important one and it's uh, not as well known as it should be
0: so this seems like a no-brainer to me parents don't like it teachers don't like it it doesn't work uh, <laughs> it, 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 i think you've put a nail i mean this is this this guy is dead and you're just uh, uh burying him uh which is probably
1: giving him a decent burial is is just exactly what he needs. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think back in the 1970s or 1990s, you could say this is a fresh reform. There's no really uh, authoritative research on it, so why don't we give it a try? But we've learned something from that experience. It's not a fresh reform now. It really is a zombie reform, uh, and it's distracting people from more effective ideas. So uh, Jennifer and I wrote this article in The Hope, that uh, education leaders would uh, would read it, uh, hear podcasts about it, and uh, turn their attention to something that's more likely to work.
0: Well, uh, and and I I respect my grandchildren's opinions. If I don't, <laughs> I get into trouble. So I th- thank you very much for uh, giving me the research evidence that allows me to feel good about respecting my grandchildren
1: there's this idea that year-round calendars uh, must increase achievement because they reduce the opportunity for summer learning loss and what people who make that point don't appreciate is first of all the literature on summer learning loss is a little shaky it's not at all clear uh, on if you look at all studies together it's not at all clear how much kids learn kids lose over the summer or who loses the most Um, and second all year round calendars do is they take that summer vacation, chop it up into smaller pieces and redistribute them into smaller vacations throughout the school year. Kids forget just as much. They just don't forget as much during the summer. So you're saying the whole
0: idea of uh, switching the calendar around like this its really got two origins. One is the myth of the summer learning loss, which in a p- previous Ed Next piece you you showed was uh, the evidence for that was very slim. And then uh, the second is is that from time to time, school districts facing uh, rapid increases in enrollment may adopt this as a strategy to deal with the problem of a shortage of space, which it might make sense over a, a period of time. But we don't think that this is a reform. This is something you do only if forced by necessity to do. So thank you very much for making that contribution to uh, our understanding of what makes schools work. Thanks very much for having me. I enjoyed the interview. I have been speaking with Professor Paul T. von Hippel, professor at the University of Texas at Austin and author with Jennifer Graves of a just-released article in Education Next entitled, Busting the Myths About Year-Round School Calendars. This is the Education Exchange. I am Paul Peterson. Please join me every Monday when another Education Exchange podcast is released on the Education Next website at noon Eastern time.